0: for joining us for this broadcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our broadcast with others. Now, we take you to the pulpit of the 9th Avenue Church of Christ.
1: My wife and I and our baby boy, he's two months old. We've thoroughly enjoyed our trip here. And uh, I can say that about Cason because he can't disagree. But no, we've uh, we've really enjoyed our time here. And I hope this morning uh, you'll get, I hope you get something out of my lesson uh, this morning. I I really like this topic, I really like talking about this story, but I wanted to ask you a question, but before I ask you that question, uh, as already stated, uh, I'm from uh, Frankfort, Kentucky, it's where we're at currently, and uh, I am the youth minister there. We've been there for about six years now, but last year, like everywhere was probably one of the worst years ever. You know, whether it was the pandemic, whether it was the division, the hate, the murder, all sorts of stuff was just so many bad things happened in 2020. But I also don't want us to forget that good things happened too. And that even through all the trials we experienced, perhaps they brought to light Things that we need to improve on, and and I don't like saying, "Oh, I can't wait till we get back to normal," because normal wasn't any good. I want to get back to something better, and I want to come on the other side of it improved, and on the other side of it better than ever, so we can keep doing good work for the Lord. But the question I have for you is: just and maybe last year was that year for you. Maybe other parts of your life were that year for you. But have you ever had a time in your life when you looked around and you said? how did I get here? <laughs> um, I maybe he said, this is not the way I thought life would go. Maybe it was addiction. Maybe it was bad decisions. Maybe it was some other people were doing things that you couldn't control. Maybe it was circumstances that you had nothing to do with that were affecting you. And you asked the question, what happened? This is not the way life was supposed to go. This is not the way I planned this day, this year, this month. Maybe this is not the way I planned life. What do you do when that happens? What do you do when life doesn't go as planned? Do you worry? Guilty. Do you get angry? Guilty again. Do you complain? Well, let's, let's not talk about complaining. Do, you know, Do you... What about, do you pray? Do you thank God for what's happening? It's hard to thank God when bad things are happening. But I know of an individual story in the Bible who had a bad life. You know, we just came off of one of the worst years, I think, uh, really ever. But you, we could disagree. We could have that discussion another time. But I'm trying, to, I'm trying to be able to get to a point where I can convince people to buy in to this fact, that I want to use 2020 as like an adjective for anything that's bad. You know, whether a movie was bad, you're like, man, that movie was so 2020. You know, but it's just not catching on. Maybe you guys can help me with that. But I know a guy in the Bible whose life was full of 2020 moments, Joseph. His whole life was, this is not the way I thought life would go. So we're here, and uh, today we're going to have a goal to get from Genesis 37 all the way to Genesis 50 before I'm run off the stage. So that's the plan, and we're going to start in Genesis 37. So here we are in Genesis 37, and I want to start reading in verse 5. It says, Now Joseph had a dream. So Joseph was the family favorite. He had that robe of many colors. He's all proud of it. And I picture Joseph as that, that younger sibling. For those of you who have younger siblings, you know what I'm talking about. They like to brag about all the cool stuff they get. And when you think they're the family favorite, and they know they're the family favorite, they let everybody know that they're the family favorite. So here we are, Joseph had a dream, and when he told to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, hear this dream that I've dreamed. You know, the way I'm reading it, he's bragging about these cool dreams. He says, behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright. And behold, your sheaves were gathered around mine and bowed down to my sheaf. As if he sang, I'm better than you. And I'm super excited to tell you all about it. And his brothers said, Are you indeed to reign over us? Are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and his words. The and his words part lets me know the way I'm reading it, this wasn't just a one-time, here's his cool dream. He was letting them know every time he had a chance. I had a cool dream about you bowing down to me, and I'm super important. Well, then we don't keep reading in verse 9. He dreamed another dream. And he told to his brothers, and behold, I have dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun, the moon, and 11 stars were bowing down to me. And, but when he told it to his father and to his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, what is this dream that you've dreamed? Ooh. Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to ourselves to the ground before you? This is not sounding very good for Joseph. Joseph's thinking, I have this dream. I'm going to be great one day. His brothers were jealous of him in verse 11, but his father kept this saying in mind. You know, sometimes we create our own problems. Here, Joseph, I'm reading this. He's saying... He's he's kind of digging himself his own hole here. Now, was his dream from God? Yes, we'll get to that throughout this whole entire lesson. But he had forgotten something, or he was confused about something. He really thought it was all about him, and he started to create his own problems. When we start thinking life's all about us, and that everything we're doing, everything that's happening... Man, it's all about me looking good. And Joseph was super excited because I had this cool dream. People are going to bow down before me. I'm going to be someone important. But he forgot something. And it's the same thing that we forget. When we cause our own problems, when we create problems, what do we do when that happens? I want you you keep asking yourself that? What do you do when life doesn't go as planned? Well, here he was creating his own problem and he forgot that our current circumstances do not reflect God's big picture plan for our lives. In the moment, Joseph thought, this is it. I'm going to be important, and that's the end of the story. You better get used to it now. His brothers didn't like that, as any older brothers wouldn't like that. His father and mother were like, hold on, you're still our child. (laughs) You're still the child, I'm still the parent. I heard that all the time growing up. You know, I'm the parent, you're the child. We're not going to bow down before you. What do you, you know, you have to get this straight. You need to remember who you are. God had a bigger plan in mind. What was that plan? We'll get to that in a second. But I want you to remember that our current circumstances do not reflect God's big picture plan for our lives. But then sometimes people will mistreat us. Maybe it's not because of anything we've done, maybe it's just because people have their own actions, they control what they do. Because no one can force us to do anything, and they mistreat us. And what do we do when that happens? We get angry, we complain, we lash out, maybe we treat them poorly. But now here we are in Genesis 37 still, in verses 18 through 28. Well, what happens? His brothers are fed up. They are absolutely fed up with Joseph. He's coming into the field, and they see him from afar in verse 18. And and I really like what what happens here. I don't really like what happens here, but it's really interesting. It says, they saw him from afar... And before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. That that escalated rather quickly. They said to one another in verse 19, here comes this dreamer. They kept remembering this dream. So obviously he kept telling them this and they're just fed up with it. And it says, come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we will say that a fierce animal has devoured him and we will see what will become of his dreams. I'm kind of curious who came up with the killing idea first? They're all like, oh man, I can't there's Joseph coming again. He's gonna tell us about those dreams again. Who said, oh, let's just kill him"? And then that mob mentality, all of us that mob rule, all of a sudden everybody goes, What a great idea. Let's get rid of them, and then our problems will go away. They too forgot the fact that our current circumstances don't reflect God's big picture plan in our lives. And here Joseph is, they're mistreating him because what happens? Well, thankfully, Reuben has the great idea of, let's just not kill him. Let's throw him in a pit. Let's beat him up. And he thought, let's, I'll rescue him later. If I'm Joseph, I'm thinking, Reuben, just stop it all and let's not do anything. <laughs> but Reuben decides, I'm going to throw him in the pit. We're going to beat him up and I'll come back to rescue him. And the text says that when Reuben came back, what happened? So we know Reuben's not here, but the rest of his brothers see another opportunity. The Ishmaelites are coming, and they now another idea. Well, we got to do something, and Joseph is a problem. We could just sell him. Now sell him into slavery, and then our problem will really go away, and everything will be back to normal. Everything will be better, and we don't have to hear about these dreams from our little brother who keeps talking about how better he is than us, how greater he is than us. And all these good things are bad things. So then Reuben comes back, he sees that Joseph's gone, and they panic. And then they go dip the robe in the the blood. and And we often say they lie to their father by saying, your son's dead. The text tells us, they just said, is this your son's robe? And his father said, yes, that's his robe. He assumed and said he must be destroyed. He must have been devoured. And his brothers don't correct him. Which is the same as as lying. They deceived their father to let him think that Joseph was dead. Now his brothers are saying, we fixed the problem. Our problem is over. We don't have to listen to him anymore. And our life can go on, and we don't have anything to worry about any longer. For Joseph, he's thinking, if I'm Joseph, I'm thinking, what about those dreams? God, you gave me all these dreams. You said I was powerful. I would be big. They would be bowing down to me. It seems that something happened. You got maybe your wires crossed, because now I'm in slavery. And this is not the way I thought life would go. Now we're going to fast forward all the way to Genesis 39. We're making plenty of time here. So then sometimes people will lie about us. Have you ever had someone lie about you? It's awful. What do we do when someone lies about us? Do we get real defensive? Do we try to go prove the lie false? Do we then spread lies about that person to make us look better? What do we do when people lie about us? Well, here Joseph is, and this is really interesting. This is the up and down nature of Joseph's life. He finally gets into Egypt under a man named Potiphar. And Potiphar is a pretty big deal. In the text in in chapter 39, it says Potiphar was an officer to Pharaoh, the captain of the guard. So Potiphar is a pretty big deal. Egypt is the world power of today. Here's Pharaoh's the world leader, the most powerful person in the known world. And now here's the captain of the guard to Pharaoh. And Joseph is serving Potiphar. In verse 2, it says, the Lord, in verse 30, of chapter 39, the Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man. Maybe this is how the dreams will come true, Joseph is thinking. If I'm Joseph, that's what I'm thinking. And he was in the house of his Egyptian master, and his master saw, so then it was so obvious, his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight, and attended him and made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. Oh man, that's, that's important. It says, from that time, he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, and the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. So Joseph is thinking, man, I, I'm the most important person in Potiphar's house who's very important to Pharaoh. These dreams are finally going to come true. I'm finally going to be important. People are going to finally give me the respect that I am am owed. At least that's what I'm thinking. Maybe I'm worse than than most people. Maybe I'm not as good as Joseph here, but that's what I'm thinking. That's what we might be thinking. Maybe finally this is how those dreams are going to come true. And then what happens? We'll enter Potiphar's wife. Potiphar's wife sees that Joseph is a fairly good-looking man, and she Reveals herself or makes herself available and says, Lie with me while Potiphar is, is away. And we see Joseph's integrity here. Joseph refuses the offer. And time and time again, she keeps coming to Joseph. And Joseph says this, and we see this in, in, in chapter 39, where he says, Your husband has given me everything. He's given me everything that he has, and he's held nothing back except you. Why would I? do that to your husband? Why would I do that to my master? Why would I take advantage of the freedom I've been given? He shows true integrity. Well, she doesn't like that. And then she falsely accuses him of taking advantage of her. In fact, then she doesn't just falsely accuse him. Then she makes it where her husband starts slandering her husband by saying, my husband's brought in this Hebrew to make a mockery of all of us. What she tells the rest of the household. And then Potiphar hears about it, and just like every good husband comes to the defense of his wife. I would would have done the same. We got to get rid of this guy because he took advantage of my wife and I'm not having it. Of course, that's a big lie. Joseph must be thinking, this is not the way life was supposed to go. And then what happens? Now he finds himself in jail. If I'm Joseph. I'm starting to question those dreams. Maybe this wasn't what life was supposed to be about. Or maybe I'm getting defensive by saying, I deserve better than this. I'm owed more than this. Those dreams said I would be someone important. And here I am. I finally got, up, I finally got on my feet, finally was being someone important, and now I'm in jail for something I did not even do. Sometimes we have to remember that our current circumstances don't reflect God's big picture plan for our lives. And that moment was not the big picture. In that moment was not the end of his story. And when we're in the same kind of predicament in life, it's not the end of our story either. But then we continue, and we see he's in jail. And, and, I, and this is great, good stuff. I love this. In chapter 40, he has these two prisoners, pharaohs, baker and cupbearer. Now I was always like, that would be those are cool jobs. The baker gets to cook cool food for Pharaoh. And now the cupbearer, I don't know if I would want his job. His job was to make sure nothing got passed. He was the last line of defense to make sure Pharaoh wasn't poisoned. And sometimes they would, you know, drink their drinks before they passed it on to make sure that nothing got to Pharaoh that could end his life. I'm not sure I would wanna be the taste tester of poison for Pharaoh, because I'm sure a lot of people are after his life, but very important jobs. Well, they had made Pharaoh angry, and they were in jail. So here in chapter 40, and Joseph notices that they're very troubled. And he says, what's, what's troubled you? And they tell him about some dreams. Now, I don't know about you, but this is taller than I thought. I don't know about you, but I don't have cool dreams like Joseph. I don't have cool dreams like these two individuals, and I definitely don't have dreams like Pharaoh had, which we'll talk about in just a second. My dreams are fairly boring, but these dreams, they're like, I had this weird dream where I was putting the cup back in Pharaoh's hand, and then the baker says, I had some birds eating out of bread, a bread basket on my head. I mean, this is, these are weird dreams. And Joseph had an interpretation for these individuals. He said to the, to the cupbearer, in three days, you're going to get your job back. The baker liked that. The baker said, what's my interpretation? Joseph said, well, in three days, you're going to lose your life. So three days later, Pharaoh's birthday party. We're here in chapter 40, and this is really great. <laughs> I guess when you're at a party, you get to do cool stuff. And the, the cupbearer got his job back, and then Pharaoh decided that let's kill somebody for my birthday. So they, they, they hang the, the, the baker. Everything comes true, and we see here the end of chapter 40. What's Joseph say? Well, Joseph says, basically, don't forget me. When you are restored to your position, you're right next to Pharaoh. Don't forget about me. Don't leave me down here. I'm not supposed to be down here anyway. I'm supposed to be somebody important. All this stuff happened. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position. He hung or hanged the chief baker in here in verse 23. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph but forgot him. I hate being underappreciated. That's my personality. We, we could talk about that another day. But one of my deepest inside desires is to be appreciated. And I want to be valued. We all like to be valued on some type of level. What do you do when you're underappreciated? Hey, look at me. I'm supposed to be important. Or do you say, well, I guess I'll just quit. No one notices. What do you do when you're underappreciated? Joseph waited a day a week. Maybe they're just partying a little longer. It's Pharaoh's birthday week after all. Month goes by. In chapter 41, two whole years later, two years later, and and, and, and he's still forgotten about. What do you do when you're underappreciated? Well, Pharaoh had these dreams, these weird dreams again. They had the skinny cows eating the fat cows, the skinny ears of grain eating the, the plump ears of grain. I don't know how that's possible, but it happened. And, um, but they didn't get fatter. They didn't get plumper. So Pharaoh is like, I don't understand what this dream is about. He calls in all these magicians, all these fancy, smart people, and they all say, we can't interpret your dream. We have no idea what what's, what's going on. Your dreams are too weird. Then the cupbearer, that moment of clarity, right? Kind of the cartoon light bulb goes off. And he says, you know, two years ago, there was a guy, I was supposed to tell you this two years ago. There was a guy down there that knew that you were going to give me my job back and he knew you were going to put that baker to death before it even was decided, before you, you even knew. And I was supposed to tell you about him, but maybe he knows your interpretation. So they called Joseph up, Joseph... Gives them the good and bad news. He says, There's gonna be seven years of of plenty, but then you're gonna have seven years of famine. Famine is bad news, but seven years? That's unheard of. That's awful. They could die as a people, as a nation. So Joseph says, Pharaoh, I'll tell you what you do. You'll save one fifth during those seven years. Store it in the storehouse. So during those seven years of famine, you'll have plenty of food, and you'll have the only food in the whole area. No one knows the famine's coming except for me, you, and who else is in the room. And we can save your people and save the country and save a nation and save everybody around us, but you'll be the go-to. Pharaoh liked this idea, of course. But Pharaoh likes it so much that he realizes, man, this guy, the Lord's with him. This is really important, and what's he do? Finally, Joseph is thinking, if I'm Joseph, I've finally arrived. Because now, what happens? Man, I get a signet ring. I can seal things and sign things for Pharaoh. I'm second in power in Egypt. I've arrived. My dreams have come true. Everything's great. This must be what my dreams are all about. See, he still didn't understand that his current circumstances were not part of God's big picture plan. They did not reflect what that meant yet. He was still thinking about him. If I'm Joseph, I'm thinking about myself. We don't see Joseph saying, Joseph thought this, Joseph thought that. But I can put myself in his shoes and think, I've arrived. Well, who else is now experiencing the famine? The whole area. Including His family. So then, we're fast-forwarding. Jacob is saying to, his, to the other brothers, minus Benjamin, go to Egypt and get us some food. So his brothers go to Egypt, and who's in charge of the food distribution? Joseph. His brothers don't recognize Joseph. They think he's long gone. Joseph recognizes his brothers. And what, are his, what do his brothers do? They bow down before Joseph and humility asking for food. Now we see the dreams. Now we see the big picture, or we're starting to. Not that Joseph is getting credit. Not that Joseph is super important and it's all about him. Now it's about saving people. Now it's about God's big plan to save a group of people. Long story short, he says, go get your other brother, I'll hold one back. They go get Benjamin, they come back. Then Joseph reveals himself to his brothers and says, I'm Joseph. Of course, now they're panicking. What's going to happen? Are we really going to get all the food? Is he going to save us? Is he going to put us in prison? Is he going to put us to death? He's second in command in, in Egypt. And he says, is dad alive? Now, Pharaoh still has respect for Joseph. And Pharaoh says, go get your whole family and come back and I'll give you this prime spot in Egypt. And you can live here with your whole family. Again, now we're starting to see a bigger picture as we keep zooming out. What do you do when you cause your own problems? What do you do when people mistreat you? What do you do when people lie about you? What do you do when you're underappreciated? We see Joseph's integrity the whole time, his faithfulness the whole time. But I'm not convinced he understood this just yet. Maybe at this point he finally does because we'll see at the very end where we're finally going to go to where he realizes what God meant. God meant it for good. But let's back up just a little bit more and zoom out a little bit more. So his whole family was saved. Pharaoh said, bring your whole family here. And who was his family? Well, the 12 sons of Jacob, also known as the 12 sons of Israel, also known as the Israelites, also known as God's people who would be the fulfillment all the way back to the promise to Abraham, saying, I will make your name great. I will make you into a great nation. Your descendants will be as numerous as the stars in the sky, as numerous as the sand on the shore. And here Joseph is playing a prime role in saving that family from ending that family line, which also would have ended the lineage To Christ. Here's the big picture. It's not about Joseph. These dreams weren't about, oh, Joseph's life, I'm going to be important. Maybe that's what we think. Throughout his whole life, I think, was a good life of humility. A good lesson in humility of saying, it's not about you, Joseph, but it's about this big picture plan I have. And we'll see, after Jacob died, his brothers were worried. He said, they went to him and said, hey, Dad said you should forgive us. That was his last death wish. Please don't do anything to us. And that's the verse we, we read before I got up here. When he said, you know, back all those years ago, you meant that for harm. You meant that for evil. You really meant that to hurt me. But God meant it for good for this reason, to save these people. To save, and I don't think he understood the magnitude like we do from the, the Abraham and the, the, the line to Jesus but I think he understood to save the people. We may not not understand what's happening right now. We may say, I don't know why these bad things are happening, but I know that God has a plan and that our current circumstances don't reflect what that big picture plan is just yet. So I keep asking that question, what do we do? (laughs) What do we do when that happens? We need to glorify God in our current circumstances no matter what. We see Joseph was faithful, and everywhere he was faithful, it said, and God made him succeed. So much that it was obvious that the Lord was with him. I don't know what role I'm playing. I don't know what role you're playing. We may never know. We, may, we might know toward the end of our lives. We might know eventually. Maybe it'll be after death. We'll find out what role we actually played. But sometimes the role we're playing isn't the role we think we're playing but we need to be following the plan. Now, not my plan, not your plan, God's plan. He says, just be faithful. Just trust me. I have a plan that's far beyond your comprehension, something that that you don't understand just yet. But if you trust me, it'll all work out. Maybe you're struggling this morning and you're you're asking that question, why? You're asking what I ask, how did I get here? (laughs) You know, this is not the way I thought life would work. Well, maybe this previous year that was full of trials was full of lessons that we can learn so we can get to the other side and say, let's be better than normal. Let's start being a group that can be on fire for serving the Lord and just saying, I trust Him to make it all work and I'm just going to play my part. Maybe you haven't decided to become that Christian yet. You haven't been buried in the waters of baptism to be raised to walk in newness of life so you can start following His plan. Whatever you, you need, whether prayers or to be baptized, please come now while we stand and sing.
0: There is beyond the azure blue a God from human sight. If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 Ninth Avenue in Hagleyville, Alabama. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again, and until then, remember, we are a church of Christ caring for its community.